0: So if that sounds like fun to you, check
1: it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot.
2: Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, click or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
0: This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions,
2: and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway in a brand new day. Over the Gotta let it go. So fight. Just tonight, together, here where You I'm You.
1: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for September 26, 2023. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or on our own dedicated Open the Voice Gate feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box as a sponsor this podcast, and you can set up a one time, or recurring Donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joined alongside as always by Slow. In case I have a unique problem that I'm encountering tonight as we record.
0: Is it baseball related?
1: Very much so, sir. Let's let's hear it. So your resurgence. Uh American League West leading uh Texas Rangers are about they're closing in case. They are closing in on What felt like three weeks ago, a division title that slipped through our fingertips. And I am uh, the number one victim of ballet sports right now, because I've tried every way to get to watch the game. They're going to be playing the Angels this week, trying to just pad that win total, get us to the division. And there's no way that I am physically able to watch this in Fort Worth, Texas. I've tried to go and see if there was an add-on package for YouTube TV youtube tv does not carry diamond sports probably a good thing in their long term to (laughs) not get affiliated with it but for that it sucks the other thing is case do you know that bally's does have their own on-demand over-the-top service yeah i do because it's perhaps the worst
0: on-demand service ever created
1: it is because so for people who don't live in bally sports areas the, the, the overall deal is Sinclair Broadcast Group had to bought all of these regional sports networks from Fox when Fox decided to spin off all of their sports, basically just concentrating on their network and their cable, not their regionals. Uh, Sinclair bought it, and pretty much that forced the sale of Ring of Honor, weirdly enough, and they tried to sell sponsorship of it, became affiliated with Bally's. It's gone through Chapter 11 but essentially, if you live in some of these areas that have Bally Sports, your cable provider probably does not have it. And you have to pay $20 a month to watch just these sports teams. In case they, they had a seven-day trial, free trial, which for me, last week of the season, I feel like that would have been perfect for me just to sign to do this, pull it up there. I cannot so- sign up to the Bally's on-demand service for the seven-day trial to watch these three baseball games because YouTube TV does not carry Bally Sports.
0: Now, Mike, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this because we are already an extremely niche podcast and talking about a sport that excludes Europeans and specifically the streaming rights around said sport, I think is a very alienating concept, but I do empathize with you because in my part of the country, the Cubs are in the midst of an exciting playoff push for the final NL wildcard spot. They are playing exactly one mile away from me where I sit here today And yet I cannot watch the game because I am a YouTube TV subscriber. YouTube TV does not offer the Marquee Network, which is where all of the Cubs games are. They are on TBS tonight, but TBS has a local blackout on that game. And TBS does not offer a secondary game for local markets impacted by the big game. Thus, my TBS will be a black screen for the next three hours.
1: They're not even going to have on some young Sheldon to make up for it.
0: Not even young Sheldon.
1: Man, I I have to say, all I've seen of the show of Young Sheldon are like the five minutes after that my AEW recordings go, and boy, I I you put three hours of that on at the back of uh, on the TV while we're recording, I might like find myself keeping that on weirdly. You know, I I'm glad you said that. I'm not convinced
0: entirely that Young Sheldon is not funny. Now, I've never watched an episode from start to finish. But I catch little clips here and there, and I go, you know what? This show seems all right. Hey, good good for them. I'm going to leave them alone. I'm going to let them do their thing. Big Bang Theory, I still will catch the end of some of those episodes. And I go, this is not for me. I mean, love Kaylee Cuoco. She was wonderful on The Flight Attendant, but not a show for me. Young Sheldon, though, seems okay. I'm going to let that one live.
1: I think Young Sheldon is a lot more approachable for the base person, flipping things around, because it's about a... A, a outcast boy who's not able to fit into his small town Texas uh, family because he's too smart. That's like basically Doogie Hauser right there. We've been replaying that idea for generations now. Big Bang Theory is let's have a bunch of nerds. You know, yeah. it, it's, it's a lot more palatable. Like I imagine a lot of these TV shows and not to get dark, uh, not to get more dark here of, OK, what is something that if I was at a hospital one way or another, if I'm if I'm in the hospital myself or if a loved one's there and I'm visiting and I'm spending time with them while they're in the hospital, which one am I gonna be least offended to be on TV? Basically, nonstop as background noise. I think Young Shelton might be like the best current show for that.
0: I I, ha- I have a very hard time arguing that. It does seem like pleasant hospital viewing where it's not so funny that you're going to laugh inappropriately, but it's also not going to annoy you.
1: Right, it's like the thing that you could have on during a holiday or family dinner in the background, and there's not going to be any fighting. There's not going to be any arguing. It is basically the sitcom version of a Hallmark family movie. Now, Very well put. No argument from me. So uh, I I was going to try to find a way to go from the the dark depths that I am during the Texas Rangers pennant race to uh, the news this week in Dragon Gate, but uh, let's just get into it. The, the person who's been the main character of Dragon Gate, at least for the last month, if not uh, open the voice gate, uh, TN Revolution, during the Osaka opener, came down lame. Uh, it, it was on a just his plant foot doing a stomp. He rolled to the outside within like the first 45 seconds of him being in the match, did not come back into the match. By the time that the match was over, uh, Kakator and Don Fuji were his partners. They essentially wrestled a two on three match as uh, TN Revolution. uh, I is off cards, off of the upcoming Kobe show, and is still uh, have not received word about TN Revolution case, uh, but just a huge, like awful. Like it's just hard to put into it. In a promotion that we were talking about, how we've been grappling Dragon Gate this fall. One of the things we've had over the last few weeks has been TN Revolution, and now it's a giant question mark with his injury in Osaka.
0: I can't put into words, even though I should because I'm a broadcaster, but I just I don't have the skill or ability to put into to proper words how deflating this was for me. Knowing that he got injured before I watched the show, and then seeing the injury unfold, which, like you said, it wasn't a reckless Tope Suicida. It wasn't a poison Rana. It wasn't even a high-impact sequence. You know, it wasn't him getting concussed because somebody threw uh, a forearm at him too hard. It was a stomp. It was day one wrestling school stuff. And it's not that he made a mistake, and it's not that Ryoya Tanaka made a mistake. It was simply just the worst possible outcome at a time where this company has not been bad, but it has not been exciting we have settled into this agreement i think between you me and the listeners that dragon gate for whatever reason since king of gate ended has just been very boring we're just on a two-month stretch now where not a lot has happened there's not a ton to get excited about the matches have been good the matches haven't been great and we had this hope we had this this glimmer of light not only for the immediate future But for years and years down the road, and this is not me pouring dirt on the grave of TN Revolution, we don't know the status of his injury. Uh, We know he's off the shows this weekend, like you said, but, you know, he'll be back. He'll be okay. He has enough charisma to where he could have one leg permanently, and I still think that he would be a successful wrestler. But it was just another one of those things that we've seen in this modern era of Dragon Gate where we watch something unfold and we go, oh not again and this is perhaps the biggest stroke of bad luck uh i don't want to say in the history of drangie but certainly in the modern era
1: yeah i guess for me it one of the reasons why i think it's such bad luck and just like of course this happens like that was kind of my response when i saw the news uh before i saw the show it's like oh uh tian got hurt and I'm like oh yeah god of course this happened now uh, if the promotion was firing on all cylinders, if if it felt like plates were spinning for the most part outside of two storylines now, it would be like, oh, okay, that stinks, but there's other things. Like, case we've been pretty much, in in, in a lot of ways, and I think people probably pick up on this. uh, When Dragon Gate is this way and it's been this way kind of before, we have things that we kind of grab onto and like hold on to, for us like, hey, the shows might be x, it might be y it might not just be super, it might not be super interesting. But we have the rookies coming class 2020, we have Okuda and Ishida, we have this, this kind of thing that that keeps the promotion, at least day in day out more interesting for the day in day out listener and viewer uh, losing TN at, at this time and on a show where they, they've had they had to refigure things around about TN and also bb hulk's injury we'll talk about that one in a bit but the the, the the this injury and everything that happened around this Osaka show it had just a just almost like if if a wrestling show had a physical representation it's it's complexion is pallid it's clammy it's very not well and that's what this show felt like after this like it was just one of those things that it an air kind of was released by tan's injury that osaka i had moments getting away from but it just overwhelmed it and it just in a way kind of overwhelms the company
0: yeah well i think that's the general perception of drangit is you know you're you're separated into three camps you know there's people like you and me who watch everything and and you know, enjoy the promotion just for the sake of it existing and, you know, find, you know, what they do to be interesting, even when, you know, on paper and in reality, it may be not interesting. There's the lapsed fan. And I think their impression of Drangate is this is a cursed company. It's not what it was before. And they can have reasons that I maybe disagree with in terms of talent or booking or whatever. But ultimately, I think there's a consensus there that this is a promotion that has bad luck. And then there's your third fan that is aware of the promotion and not watching and stuff like this makes it harder for them to jump in.
1: Or there's a subcategory that to, to be fair, likes to hear about dragon gate drama. Like, uh, and as long, and as
0: long as they listen to the podcast, you guys are are more than welcome here though. That is a, that is a large chunk of our listener base and we love you guys for
1: it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah hey the, the listens count just the same just yeah the I, same. I,
0: I wish i had more to give you i do I, yeah, you know I, yeah, look yeah, you, yeah. you guys are great i don't know i let me uh you know i if i could talk more about Techestra's marriage i would it's just a topic i do not care about <laughs> but Fucking it, god it, damn we did a great two and a half hour podcast and i got so many messages about takestra's marriage i was like that's not the point guys listen to the yeah. other stuff jesus yeah.
1: The, the other two, the other two hours 18 minutes yeah, it's like Come a really guys. interesting yeah. show but i'm glad that right. this is yeah. what you care about god but but it, it, it is something though that there is now and i think it would be intellectually dishonest if we weren't acknowledging it there has been something that over this era however we want to put this era, if we want to start this era may 6th 2018 if we want to start this era wherever you you put it you want to start it with the COVID era there is a overwhelming kind of sense that this is a promotion that just feels kind of snake bit like how many times does it feel like it's it's a one step forward two steps back over the last five years case
0: it's always something it is just always something in a way that is maddening and frustrating and i feel bad for the promotion and i feel bad for the wrestlers involved because more often than not those two steps back are revolving around an injury and it's just another one of those deals you know i mean you know where this matters and why this is not you know it's not us bitching about it it's just the reality of this matters to the promotion because if you're somebody whether you're a native japanese person or you're a western fan that you know at the beginning of september saw a video of tn revolution at cork and hall and said Man, I gotta, I gotta follow this promotion. This guy looks cool as hell. Well, now, now you know, now your reason to follow the promotion's gone. And as of the time of recording, TBD on how long he's going to be out. So it's just, you know, it's it's a stab wound and a promotion that was already very sensitive and uh, perhaps cut a little bit. This is a pretty big stab wound.
1: And it's like almost record time for this to happen. <laughs> like I, I, I'm laughing as like a coping mechanism in a way, but Tian re-debuts uh september 7th and then two and a half weeks later it 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 is something that like checking around it's something with like this kind of knee injury like if it's serious like it is you kind of need to wait a day or two to like be able for the swelling to go down for it and we'll 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 wait we'll wait and see nothing is really announced like the 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 only like comment i really got was uh Basically, it say is we'll see if it take if this injury is lo- out long enough to see if they're going to rename him. Like that yeah,
0: is, uh, yeah, I heard the same thing.
1: Right. So it's something that it's it, it, if it is what we think it could be, and I I think that if you watch the match, you watch the spot very clearly. His plant leg goes out as he's delivering a spot, delivering a stomp. That tells you that like it's something related to the knee and. At least from from other sports and athletics, that's not a quick thing to come back from.
0: no, this this has, whether it's you know, a torn ACL or whatever, this this feels like it has surgery written all over it. and it's weird, you know, I started thinking about, this is now the fourth guy in four years that's debuted and then immediately got hurt because you have Sora Fujikawa who wrestled nine matches and then got hurt. And then you had Shoyasato, who was hurt a million times before his debut. It's a miracle that he debuted, and then he only lasted about six months. You have Mochizuki Jr., who debuted, wrestled on a house show, got hurt, and had to miss a month. And now you've got, you know, the worst of the bunch in TN Revolution, who, you know, it seems like this injury is going to be far more serious than, say, the, the Mochizuki Jr. injury was. So I, I I don't know what it is. You know, you could point to all those guys and you know, yes, in the case of Sora Fujikawa, he did take a basically a shoot kick to the face that ended his career. But you can't say, oh, well, it's a it's a reckless style or these guys don't know what they're doing. It's all just like, oh, God, that's what they got hurt on. Like, you know, Junior hurt his back doing that. Tien hurt his knee doing that. Like, that that. you know what the problem is, Mike? President Okamura is not here to cast away the evil spells in the Dragon Gate locker room. That's realm. it.
1: That that, hey, look, that is, look
0: direct correlation. Five years now of us going one step forward, two steps back on a lot of things. You know who's been gone five years almost? President Okamura.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, not saying that all, all of a
0: sudden, you know, you know, apologies need to be made.
1: I don't know if correlation is causation here, but uh, <laughs> it, it it's definitely lining up. And, and that is one of the things is like when we like look at a lot of. dragon gate injuries and it's something where there's a lot of them and i think that it is something where from certain camps like as you were talking about like groups it can give an impression of a reality that's not there and when you look at like tn like that honestly looked like something that could have happened if you was squatting at a doing weightlifting or elsewhere it was just one of those things and then as you said like just Back injury and stuff like this the, the very rare like contact injuries do happen, but when you put it up against the run of injuries, I don't think I would say that Dragon Gates, like that kind of injury rate would be much different much more different than any other promotion.
0: Yeah, that's I, I, I don't have my finger on the pulse enough right now to to say yes or no on that, but I, I, I know that my finger is always on the pulse here, and, and the list of injuries has been pretty staggering. You and I uh, created separate lists here, but we'll go through both of them at the same time. Sort of you going over the, the history of some bad luck moments in the Dragon system, me, a, a more uh, micro timeline the last five years, some of the things that have gone wrong, some of these one-step-forward, two-step-back scenarios. Do you want to start breaking down your list?
1: Yeah, so I kind of... Uh, Case is going to have a lot more authoritative, at least from 2018. I kind of picked not only just like some of the more severe kind of, I don't know if I would call it bad luck, but things that happen. And then I, I try to be mindful of it, not just being injuries, because it is something where, yes, there is a significant, like, if you make the list and you want to talk about plans, getting thrown out by injuries, there's a lot of it, but that's probably about, again, as I would say, not dissimilar to most of the wrestling world. The, uh, the, the, the really big one in the first, Thing that i think actually perception wise might have at least 12 years later we could probably have a longer term discussion about this uh, uh the the uh, fukushima uh the the tsunami and the fukushima uh disaster happening on march 11th 2021 uh of, of course or 2011 of course one of like the all-time like tra- tragic disasters uh dragon gate at that time it was known that they were gearing up for a third in a series of sumo hall shows and because of the damage happening because of the earthquake and the tsunami the uh, sumo hall shut down at the uh, did, uh Corkin hall that just that there was damage caused by the earthquake and the tsunami that they had to repair and dragon gate was forced to cancel their sumo hall show nine days out uh, the the ins uh, three eleven of course was the Fukushima earthquake tsunami and nuclear meltdown. But the uh, the the Sumo Hall show was going to be on the twentieth that month. And Dragon Gate never went back to Sumo Hall. The fact that they're doing the show in Yokohama, overall like Greater Tokyo area, yes. But there is it, it is it has always kind of been like talked about, but not necessarily like over talked about. Dragon Gate did not do well in sumo hall over the years before that but the uh, the tsunami in 2011 pretty much killed dragon gate running sumo hall and i think that if we want to talk about perception 12 years later they have not gone back to sumo hall and i think at least within like a certain branch of international fandom there is kind of an aspect of oh promotions running sumo hall kind of are more resonating in consciousness dragon gate hasn't run Sumo Hall in 13 years, and they are unlikely to ever run it again, I think. And that that was my first big bad luck.
0: Yeah, obviously very bad timing there. That was going to be a loaded show with Mochizuki versus Yoshino in the main events. Also, notably, that was going to be a big match for Chuck Taylor, Johnny Gargano, and Rich Swan At the very least, a butterfly effect. You know, one of those deals where I would like to know what would have happened had that show taken place? Instead, Yoshino versus Mochizuki gets moved to Cork and Hall. Chuck Taylor, Johnny Gargano get flown back to America. Chuck Taylor uh, never comes back. Johnny Gargano seemingly uh, by gunpoint via Gabe Sapolsky comes back and does a tour a year later, and they say, you know, Rich Swan, we like you. We're going to keep you here for a few years. So yeah, that that is very much one where it was at a a very important time in the promotion where a big show in Sumo Hall, you know, by this point, Gate's already drawing very well, and as, you know, 2011, they're the second biggest promotion in Japan already behind New Japan, and New Japan was certainly not what they are now, uh, but a, a big Sumo Hall show there could have done a lot of things to change the face of the promotion.
1: Yeah, and the the, the one thing about their position there, they did not draw a wall in Sumo Hall in 2009, 2010. Like, like that was one of the things, because one of the ones was a during Doi's title run, I think that was the Aki Bono match was during that and it drew horribly. So they loaded this up at 2011 with, this was of course like the lead up to blood warriors and junction three, but the idea of Mochizuki and Yoshino was probably the biggest match they could have done at that time. And if that show would have happened, who knows if they would continue to run sumo hall, if they would have drawn that number. But since what all happened there, they've not gone back. And I, don't see, think that there's any sort of inclination to ever do so.
0: No, I'd be very surprised if that's in the, uh, let's say, the next five years.
1: Yeah, I just, especially if Yokohama works, I think Yokohama will kind of suit that role while you still have the uh, September show in, in Oda City.
0: You know, that's another thing. I, I really hadn't even thought about that, but we've, we've mentioned this, you know, a few times now. TN's hometown is, is Kanagawa in Yokohama, they seemingly were building this show around him. I mean, that's the logic that Jay used the last time he was on this show, and granted, they have a few other guys from that part of the country, notably Kai. but it seemed like if they were going to do a big TN match, you might as well have his, you know, one of his first big shows be in his hometown and you know, see where he goes from there. That might be off the table now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what was one, let's start going through the uh, modern era, bad luck stuff. And and, and I'll toss in another historical one in a little bit.
0: Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I can, I can run through this list here uh, sort of sort of chronologically. Um, this is all stuff that's happened post 2018. And I, I think in one way or another, these things have shaped, whether it be the title picture or the main event scene or drawing both in terms of big picture and local scenes. You know, I think all this stuff has really mattered. Uh, one of them being, and we were talking about this a little bit off the air in dead or alive 2019 UT in his hometown has the biggest singles match of his career against uh, Susumi Yokosuka, and he kills it. All of a sudden UT who's been on the roster at that point, six years and has not done a lot of anything. He comes out of that show and, and we all have this real moment of like, oh, UT could be a guy, not a main event guy, but he's a guy that could really end up mattering to the day-to-day of this promotion. And instead, two weeks later, he breaks his collarbone and he's out pretty much an entire year. And then, I mean, we could do this whole segment on UT because he comes back in 2021, yeah. he gets hot again, he has the Brave Gate match in Aichi with SP Kento, and then two weeks later, he blows out his knee and he gets hurt again. He is... that's the unfortunate part this is the big picture way of describing this dragon gate is operating the way ut's career has gone right now and i love ut and i love dragon gate that is concerning
1: yeah and with ut also like i'm glad you brought that knee thing because then he came back early from the knee thing and heard it again that's right yeah that's right so it, yeah when you look at like ut a lot of that is timing and a lot of it was kind of coming at a time where someone's uh career was really resurgent and the person i was going to kind of bring this up as a point of comparison i'm glad you went if ut first uh let's talk about uh 2017 uh someone who was having perhaps and i think we will probably look back and say the 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 biggest part of their career uh takahiro yamora breaks out over the spring of 2017 Leading into the false, uh, into the five-way survival race, I feel like was coming, was happening around that time as well, and has a cervical uh, concussion during a match, completely taking the wind out of his sails, and his career has not been since. Since
0: no, I mean the the Yamamura stuff. If you ask people in Dragon Gate that were around at the time, more so. Than anybody else, and and I won't include like a Milano in there just because we don't we don't know a lot of people that were uh, within the promotion in you know two thousand four two thousand five. But when Yamamura's name comes up, divorced from all of the strong hearts Owe gleet nonsense, there is just an overwhelming sense of like he's the one that got away. We can't believe his career has played out to the absolute worst possible degree meaning both the people that he's chosen to align with, but also the injuries. And, you know, if you weren't around in 2017 when Yamamura got hot, this is when the promotion really started taking a downturn in quality. And that's something that I will always uh, continue to push back on. You know, Dragon Gate in 2023 simply is just a better product than it was 2017 and 2018. It's just, it is a better wrestling company now. That being said, when Yamamura got hot in 2017, it was this real like, oh my god, this kid is is different. He was different in a way than you know uh, uh, Fujiwara was, or Sb Kento was, or even the way that I think you and I were very early on being bullish on Kamei. You especially, it just felt like this was a guy that that fit the heart and soul of this r- promotion. You know, he wasn't something new like Tn Revolution kind of presented himself as. Yamamura was just. Man, he was a lunch pale Dragon Gate wrestler, and he just happened to have otherworldly charisma, and he happened to have the potential to be one of the best wrestlers in the world, and then it was all gone. And then he was gone, and it all happened so fast, and it was this disturbing, crazy sort of domino effect, and, you know, I was excited for him when he came back in Wrestle 1, and then he got hurt in Wrestle 1 again, and I am not excited for him to return to the ring in December. I, I am the last thing from the safety police, and I think Takahiro Yamamura wrestling in 2023 is gross and unsafe.
1: Yeah, I, I like that kind of puts the bow on like my opinion of them now is is just like it's egregious and it's something where like I just less than ten minutes ago said I think that Dragon Gate when we have when we look at injury rates if we really like kind of string it out and compare it across the wrestling world I'm not pos- I'm not certain that Dragon Gate is going to be much more different but Yamamura is just it it it's not just that like the lunch pail thing like immediately i was like he he was not the dustin Petroya of dragon gate case come on let, let's give him a little bit more credit than that but uh it's something where like also in 2017 when we want to talk about when he broke out when he did this was at a time where yeah we talk about the uh, class of 2016 and the way that they had that breakout match of the tail end of 2016 but they very much was like that was a blip, and even though we knew that Benkei was going to probably be something, Shun Skywalker had a, an ability that who knows how it was going to turn out this way for him. It was a long time for Dragon Gate having a very significant hit as a dojo result, like like getting a getting like a quantitative star out, and Yamamura kind of was the one that was promised for twenty four months leading up till that. And then you kind of got to see for that six month stretch, kind of not only like his destiny kind of realized, but provide a kind of kick in the pants into a dojo system that probably really needed to have that kind of success. Have someone yeah. like that finally have that step forward because well let's think about twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen on what we're talking about, like the undercards, for the most part. It was not like a youth revolution whatsoever. And before that breakout, we weren't talking about Ishida and Yamamoto as any sort of success at that
0: point. No, no, that, it's, a, it's an interesting point because if you could, I mean, just go back to the start of the decade. You had T-Hawk, and by 2017, I think most of us were out on T-Hawk. You had Eita, and 2017, we were all kind of looking around going— Wait, what what happened? This he was supposed to be better than this, and you know, that we have the roller coaster of his career. And then you have the, the class of 2016, but you know, Shun was looked at as, you know, a mid-card ceiling. Ben wasn't a finished project. Yoshioka was there, but we weren't, you know, salivating over him. It, you know, it, and Minora was still a year off from debuting. I mean, the undercard in 2017 is a lot of let's put four young guys, you know, let's put Ben. And Shun and Minora, or I'm sorry, and Yoshioka and who is the other um the other guy from 26. 26- oh, Hyo, yes. Let's put Ben and Shun and Hyo and Yoshioka in an eight-man against Gamma, Kness, Shisa, and whoever. The young guys will lose and, and we'll move on with our day. And maybe, maybe Shun will do a big spot, and maybe Ben will look strong, and that is gonna be the source of our talent development. And then once Yamamura got hot, it it started to open things up because then Ben was able to develop and Shun was able to take on a new role, and maybe Yamamoto is not the direct catalyst for that, but certainly chronologically, you're right. He he really starts to reinvent the dojo system, and that's without mentioning Kaito Ishida, and it's very important to note, if you're somebody who started watching Ishida's career in, say, 2019 when he was Brave Gate champion, hey, you're right. He was awesome. He he was just a fantastic wrestler, but when Ishida debuted, and for the first two or three years of his career... He was at times earmarked as a failure, and at other times just a complete non-entity. The fact that he was able to really reinvent his career for a few years there and become a burgeoning star is all the credit in the world to him. Now, you know, over the last year, I think the bag has been fumbled a little bit. I digress. But Yamamori was the guy that started all of that.
1: And, and if we want to talk about what Ishida kind of was, Ishida was really massively hurt too. Yes, like he had the he had his a reoccurring neck injury that it basically coinciding around the time where both him and Yamamura weren't able to kind of gain station and not to make this into an overgeneration podcast, because we have plans for one of those in the future, but it was something where like overgeneration was an outright failure because these two guys weren't the ones that were kind of getting spotlight. They weren't the ones that were really having the ability to say like, oh yeah, no, the, the future generations of Dragon Gate were intact. We weren't going to have that, and said the if you wanted to look at like the positive young growth and overgeneration, you had El Lindemann, who was a unique entity, and then you had Puncha Monaga. That was that, oh, also, that was also
0: than- a unique entity.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that might be the most generous description I've ever given of him.
0: Yeah, no, not good. Do uh, do you, you want to do you have any more on your list?
1: Oh yeah, I certainly do. So let's go with one injury that. Pretty much made them rebook an entire year. Uh two thousand and eight Shima breaks his neck. This might be one of the things that the Big Six might not happen the way that happens because Shima if Shima had an intact neck in two thousand and eight. Like I I don't think I'm exaggerating because a lot of the plans going into Shima's Dreamgate run at that time was the idea that he was gonna be able to give some shine to Shingo and BB Hulk, and they're positioning it, this into a three-way main event at Kobe World 2008. There was a a, a Dream Key match, which went to a 60-minute time limit draw between Shingo and Hulk, where they were trying to find who was the top person of their generation at a time where it was, it was high time for both Shingo and Hulk to make that step forward, and the guy that, that they were probably going to lose to, that it did not seem like that the belt was going to go to Shingo in 2008 when it did was going to be Shima and instead of that you have the very awkward first Shingo title run The having to break up Typhoon having to resettle things Kamikaze probably is a immediate result of of Shima getting injured and it's something that it was very fortunate that things kind of played out the way they did for the next uh 24 months, I would say, around the unit landscape, but Shima's neck injury probably set back the Dreamgate picture for a good solid 18 months when you look at what title runs had to happen after that, that weren't probably planned that way.
0: Would you say it's, it's fair to say that the Big Six were perhaps, the original Big Six were perhaps a little more manufactured than people realize, and that, that comes from, you know, uh, Shima's neck injury.
1: I think it did. I, I think that when you look at 2008 and really the the position of where the big six were in 2008 when Shima was Dreamgate champion, like let's think about it that way. Uh, you had Shingo who was ready for that step. You had Hulk who was at 2008, one could probably say was approaching close to like his peak of that era. And then Doi and Yoshino, they were kind of a joint entity. And then Tozawa was, I think, being the coach of Kagatora on the undercard. Uh, Riveting stuff, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah. So and and then you look at how the next 36 months kind of play out. And a lot of it has to happen without the idea that the young guys were getting the they were getting the belts and they were getting put in the positions. But it was something that it was very clear that at least now in retrospect, like fifteen years later. It was a lot of adjusting until basically in twenty thirteen when they're able to say, like, all right, these are their our completed pieces. And I think that next four years was preparing at least some of those for that. So Zawa, I think we could probably say was not in any sort of plans until uh, I don't know, two months before he came back from America.
0: Uh yeah, maybe one month even. I mean the the, the the good luck spin that I will give you here is Shima's neck injury could have very easily derailed Shingo's career in a way that he never would have recovered from or could have recovered from. The fact that Shingo is who he is is a testament to Shingo's talent because he was not set up to succeed in this environment.
1: No, and one could probably argue that it took until 2013 when he beat Shima— to resettle his kind of career after that kind of setback if you look at that five-year stretch.
0: Yeah, because, you know, 2009, he's Kamikaze, and he's like a Twin Gate champion, and 2010, also, he has...
1: 2009, oh, the scandal, too. Like, Yep,
0: you're right. And yep, then that's part of it. 2010, he's got the hair match with Hulk. 2011, he's hurt. That's really the only year of his career that he's been hurt. And then, you know, 2012, he's, again, he's kind of a Twin Gate champion guy, and it seemed like, well, maybe this is Maybe that will be his peak, and then 2013 he and Shima's run, and Drangate does the smartest booking of all time. They save Shingo again by having him beat Shima, and then he immediately lose to Yamato. It took all the unnecessary pressure off of Shingo's shoulders, and then from there, you know, he finds his groove in Monster Express, and then he goes to Berserk, and oh, you know, all of a sudden we're in New Japan, and Shingo, you know, is doing what he's been doing there. He's been he's, Shingo's been in New Japan five years
2: now.
1: Yeah, man, it it when we were talking about the five year uh, anniversary of the split, then I went like, oh, God, that means we're that we are now. Actually, I think we are 10 days away from Shingo's last uh, Dragon Gate match as a roster member. Yeah, no, it was the, it was the first of October, right? Yeah,
0: you're right. Well, yeah, y- yeah. What yeah, w- does Pac come back? When does Pac, Pac, Pac comes come back at that
1: core and Shingo cuz he comes back in the match cuz it was Hulk and uh, cuz it was Hulk and Shingo teaming up one last time against ATA and X and X came out to be to uh came out to be Pack if i'm right. Okay,
0: this this doesn't matter but that tag match was October 2nd and Shingo's last match was October
1: 7th. So I was two days off. Actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I, I know, you're, I, I'm being pedantic, but I, I, I started look. going. Wait a minute! Did Pop come back in September? Did we already miss the anniversary of that? But no, he, he, it was October. Cork and, yeah. I look. I mean, I, I said this in 2019 when Shingo had just lost the Super Juniors tournament, and it's it's only become more true in the four years since that happened. Where I went, you know, I thought I was his biggest fan. I thought, I thought, I thought he was more talented than anybody else. And his New Japan run has, has floored me and yet delighted me at just how successful he's been.
1: Yeah, I'm going to have to decide him or Mochi in two years. That's going to be tough.
0: Some of, the, some of the Shingo New Japan stuff has just been otherworldly good. I mean, all the Osprey matches, like, we, we live in a broken society where nothing is capable of sinking in anymore. I mean, all of the Shingo Osprey matches should be considered all time like all the the way we think of all Japan 90s stuff is the way we should think of Shingo and Osprey and then there's all the Shingo Okada stuff too and I still think the first Shingo Okada match which was 2020 G1 so it was we were coming up on 3 years of that cuz they were it was in October the first Shingo Okada match melted my brain when I saw it because Shingo stands up to Okada in, the, in a way that he just looks so tough and so defiant, and I, I still have very warm memories of that match. I mean, what, what he's done in those five years, he is, he is probably the best wrestler to ever live, not named Kenta Kobashi.
1: Yeah, I, well, well, you know, number one in my books is kind of cemented, so everything is playing up for that number two, and it's going to be tough. I mean, I still think he has like two more years like this that he's had. And at that point we're talking about God, 22 years of a career yeah. at that
0: point. Oh, this is my whole, this is my whole Drangate thing is people, people don't understand how good these guys have been for as long as they like for you know 20 years now.
1: Yeah. That's the wild thing is next year is Shingo's 20th anniversary. Yeah. And he does not feel like someone who should be approached. I think he's on just over the other side of 40. Like that is, one of the ones that, like, if we're talking about, like, as a wrestling fan, like, aging you, Shingo having his 20th anniversary ages me a lot, I feel like.
0: Well, I, I always, you know, it's like, look at, and this is an odd example to use, but look at Hogan. You know, think about a Hogan match in 85, and then think about his match against Shawn Michaels in 2005. And Shingo's been wrestling longer than that, or will, you know, will have been wrestling longer than that. And uh, the man moves around quite well.
1: Just turned 40 just god. turned 40
0: he's 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 just he's still so incredible
1: yeah he doesn't turn 41 until november so like god that this is what he's doing at his age 40 year after all of that uh, uh another big one that i kind of wanted to touch on because it's the weird thing that it is injuries but it's injuries that i think in the same way we could talk about shima's broken neck really resetting the main event scene for the next five years Let's talk about the Heels case. And let's talk about Ryo Saito and Susumu Yokosuka getting hurt almost back-to-back in 2007, 2008,
0: 2009. Yeah, so this is a scenario that you have to walk me through because this is a bit of my blind spot, so I'm curious to see the, uh, the ramifications here.
1: And this is something that I will admit, I the timing-wise of Real Hazard and all of this happening, that it, it makes it very kind of complicated because it is one of the few times that dragon gate has like talked about like what would have happened or like guys saying like, Oh, I was going to do X to turn on you. So real hazard happens after new hazard breaks up in 2008. And it is something where basically muscle outlaws splinter into at the same time. And the heel side goes toward uh Yamato and Shingo Takagi at that time and form new hat real hazard. And, while this unit is formed, Susumu Yokosuka is out for an injury. After the fact that while this injury happened, him and Rio Saito were a tag team partners, and Susumu was was basically turned on, then injured, and right afterwards, uh, Susumu returns an injury in 2008, and then he immediately joins Real Hazard turns on on Rio saito and they're about to start doing this feud here and Rio saito uh tears his achilles tendon it and with new hazard having like all these injuries completely wipe out what they had planned for this unit they kind of go straight into the mess that leads into deep Drunkers, team doi and and eventually luckily into blood warriors but i think these two injuries kind of make them have to rethink the heel unit for the next 18 months and kind of throws out all the planning. And then you have perhaps the weakest heel unit not named Antios.
0: Yeah, you know, part of the reason that I think the modern Drangate fan has a bit of a blind spot from say 2007 to 2009 is the lack of footage that's been readily available. But I also think part of it is the lack of a good heel unit in the same way that 10 years from now, you know, the new Drangate fan isn't going to romanticize 2017, 2018, 2019, because there wasn't a super strong heel unit. It it, it all comes, you know, uh, it all comes together in the end. And and that is the telltale case of this promotion really revolving around the heel unit more than anything else.
1: Yeah. So when you look at that real hazard unit, Shingo, because of 2008, he was not planned on being the dream gate champion because he becomes the first heel to win at Kobe world as real hazard quickly turn him face. They, they push Yamato up to be the heel leader. He does well as heel you, leader. Like, he kind of grafts on to it, but Yamato soon goes to Kamikaze, and then you're really, like, looking at a heel unit that's fluctuating between these very injured people, uh, Kenichiro Rai, and then Takuya Sugawara. And I think that that pretty much at that time, you look at the remainder of the units, not a good time. No, not at all. So what other big uh, recent ones you want to touch on? Because you have like a full list. I think it's of 20. If you want to go down the big ones real quick.
0: Yeah, let me let me go through a few here. I- I'll separate the COVID ones into their own little category. You know, Jason Lee and Shuji Kondo test high for fevers before Kobe World 2020. Jason was involved in the Twin Gate Championship match. I think Kondo might have, he might have been in the Triangle Gate match. And then obviously they have to get pulled from the show. You've got Ben K., getting COVID during King of Gate 2021, which knocked both he and Rookie Doi out of that tournament. And breaking down that tournament, I remember going match by match through Doi specifically and going like, oh, I think these guys are both going to put Coach Menorah over. I think Doi in particular is losing to Menorah and it's going to be this giant deal. And then the match just didn't happen because he and Ben uh, got sick. Uh, so those are some COVID-related ones. But just to run through a bullet-pointed list here, of things that have happened over the last few years that have again been one step forward, two steps back. You have Ben K's injury at Final Gate 2020. Instead of talking about the unit disbands match or even how good Ben versus Shun was, we now have safety police discussions with people who don't watch the promotion. There's Hip Hop Kakuta's injury at Dead or Alive 2021. Shocking, jarring to this day. One of the most uncomfortable things I have ever seen. Compound that with Sora Fuchikawa, very promising rookie. A lot of potential. Class of 2020, the contemporary of Madoka Kakuta, and in the same class as Kamei and Kento Kabune, now SB Kento. He wrestles nine matches on a house show against Mochizuki. He takes a kick to the jaw. We see him once or twice in exhibition matches, and then he retires. Shoyasato, very similar story, a guy with all the potential in the world, but could not overcome injuries. He retires after about six months. Uh, I mentioned this one earlier as well. Mochizuki Jr., Debuts main event Corrigan Hall. Next week he gets hurt, misses a bunch of time, really tanks the perception of M3K. Uh, and then he comes back, and luckily all has been right in the world with them ever since. You move to this year, Diamante gets hurt on a Noah show, which sucks. Th- this whole year, like think about 2023 and Diamante. I think when the history books are written. We will think very warmly of this year for him and his career because he got his big moment at Kobe World. Think about anything else that Diamante has done this year. He hasn't done anything because he's been hurt. He got hurt on the Noah show, it was re-aggravated on a Dragon Gate show. He came back just in time to get healthy to do the build for World and then he gets hurt at World and that's a whole other thing. You crowned this, uh, you know, potential babyface megastar and he gets hurt, and now he's hanging out in Mexico for a little bit, which is which is frustrating, but I get it. Um, so you've got him, you know, Diamante, and Strong Machine J. They get hurt at World, which those were the two guys that really got something out of the main event match, and they couldn't really immediately follow up with it. Ben K, he got sick during King of Gate. That threw some things off. Minorita, he gets hurt as a champion this year uh, as one third of the Triangle Gate champions. And then T and Revolution and his injury is kind of how we created this list. And look, it's a lot of... It's a lot of small things, but you know, I, I I know people uh, in my in my workspace who who use the term paper cuts. You know, everybody's always concerned about the wrecking ball coming through and the big thing going wrong, and that being the thing that catches us all off guard. In reality, it's it's not very often that that's the case that something catastrophic happens. It's little paper cuts here and there and here and there and they wear on you over time, and it frustrates you as a fan. I would imagine it frustrates the wrestlers. I would imagine it frustrates the booking crew. It's all just a lot over the last few years where if things roll in another direction, this promotion looks entirely different, but they are being, ve- uh, being dealt rather a very poor hand of cards.
1: Yeah, and if anything, if this was another year, I think we would not have as not a much attention on just this. It would be other things to really focus on, but when you don't really have the programs going, then these flaws, these paper cuts become the only thing you notice because nothing else is happening. Uh, it, it, it It's something like when you like look and it changes complexions of entire shows. It is something where they started this Osaka show talking about BB Hulk's injury. So uh, we should probably, as we're talking about injuries, talk about this, uh, BB Hulk was pulled the day of, from this Osaka show, uh, getting hurt. The, uh, the exact quote I had from when I was asking around this from sources was giving the overall saying it was down bad enough to miss the tournament. Did not get a, a the, the changes that happened, Rookie Doi joined in that changed the uh, triangle gate. Uh, tournament with this. I was it was not really stated on if it changed the overall booking of this tournament or if it was just BB Hulk's thing, but that's another paper cut that happened on this show.
0: Yes, yeah, Hulk going down. Look, I I look at that one as a borderline positive because now Doi is back in gold class and I think Doi with Ben and Menorah is super super entertaining. I just think Doi's having a great in-ring year more than anything and hulk you know i think has been okay but he's not in a rookie doi so uh, another unfortunate injury there even if I, you know i'll take the good with the bad
1: yeah we kind of lucked into the team we wanted to have in the first place yeah very much so <laughs> like like not to make light of it but i think when this tournament got announced last week we both were like why don't we just have doi in for it uh uh and, and there was one last kind of note of i don't know if we would call this bad luck or bad news but uh so, a triple uh, A taping happened over the weekend with uh, a previous announced match of Kento and Takuma uh, going against Nino Amberguesa, Mr. Iguana. During like the post match, uh, someone would come out uh, La Estrella with uh, SB Kento and, T- and Takuma. I know the photo of them kind of has gone around a little bit a- afterwards. I don't know if it's really permeated throughout but it's been going around. I talked to some folks in Mexico uh, or with some connections with Mexico about this case. And it, it seems to be kind of the scenario that we thought about with uh, uh, La Estrella going forward. He's just based in North America. And it seems that like he's making his decisions based on North America. And to the point that it looks like he, uh, the quote I have is that he's planning on spending his time half in Mexico and half in Florida and Not a mention about Japan in that. So I don't know if we call that like part of the bad news thing, but when we were doing show prep, I thought that this felt like kind of the time to talk about that. Uh, Do you have any like kind of big thoughts about that happening at AAA with La Australia?
0: Well, yeah, there's a few things that I think should be put into perspective here. So when Kento and Takuma left, I asked people very close to the situation because we knew Australia was going back to Mexico and obviously they're based in Mexico. I said, you know, do you know if Drangate will have an issue with Estrella working on shows with Kento and Takuma, meaning AAA shows, basically, or, you know, maybe a big lucha, but really, I'm at AAA, and I was told, they actually, they they don't have a problem with that, they would allow them to be on the same show. So, I didn't think much of the picture to begin with, because it was like, well, you know, they're on the same show, you know, and even after the Gleet thing, I can't imagine Dragon Gate would come down and, and try to put the clamps on Australia getting a booking in Mexico. I also think it's AAA. And they have no knowledge right, of what, yeah. what goes on outside of AAA. I don't think they are intentionally putting together a gang of bandits, uh, a, an anti-Dragon Gate brigade, because that already exists in Gleet. That's what the promotion is founded on. But I, I don't think it's a, a calculated move by AAA and I don't think it's a calculated move by Estrella. I think SB Kento has become completely ham-fisted and over-the-top with a bunch of wink-wink, nudge-nudge things and the direction of being anti Dragon Gate. and this is just another one of those things. Now, the information that you provided is very interesting, with Estrella at least having no immediate plans to return home, you know... I don't know. If he winds up with Kento and Takuma, great. You know, I, honestly, it, that would be the best thing for Kento and Takuma's career because then they could work trios matches and Astrea could take the fall. You know, that's... Yeah. Th- that's what would happen. I mean, it's just, there's no... Uh, I am at a point in 2023 where my my passion for La Estrella. if he's here, great. If he's not, I will live and I will move on with my day.
1: Yeah, it it, it was something that I just... Like, when I saw the photo and when, like, I saw it getting spread about, I just was like, oh, well, this was kind of bound to happen a little bit. Like, just with, like, the circles and how things kind of operate. Like, it, it, if there was going to be an interaction, it was going to happen at a AAA show, right? Like that, the, uh, Like, this was where it was going to happen. But I kind of, when he left the last time and the way that he kind of was outright said, like, yeah, I'm not a alien flying space i'm actually from kobe and like that kind of thing in a way that kind of felt like a farewell (laughs) if we kind of want to look at it like that and read into him planning on being based in north america going forward i kind of expected this in a way you know yeah
0: I, i think it's uh again kento is is hashtag very online and is doing a lot of very anti uh dragon gate things right now and I think he saw an opportunity to do something here and he took advantage of it. And, you know, I, I don't know when they when they draw 700 fans at Cork and Hall in a few weeks, you know, I think we'll we'll see him be quieter. Maybe I'm wrong. I would I would look I would love it if they did 1300, but I don't I don't see that happening.
1: Yeah, it, 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 there was like really not a good place to kind of bring that news. I just kind of put, put that there. I don't see anything really much changing from La Estrella there. It just does seem like trying to capitalize and at least get oh, to get some tweets and mentions going on there. there, I, there I, will, some... I will
0: say real quick, and this is anecdotal. I mean, this is not by any means something that I'm claiming to be the authority on, but I've talked to a handful of people that uh, live in Japan, native, native speakers, uh, Japanese people uh, that are admittedly hardcore Dragon Gate fans. And the consensus among that circle of people is like, the SB Kento stuff is super off-putting and annoying and try hard and they're not into it. So uh, at the very least, you know, if Gleet's goal is to take laps to Dragon Gate fans and convince them to buy tickets to Gleet, uh, at the same time, they are alienating people that are currently watching the product because the the Kento stuff is very off-putting to most. Or I should say at the very least, some. The people that I've talked to, it's been very off-putting to them
1: oh it, and it does kind of like at least that cork hall response was not necessarily like an oh shit look who's here it's like a what is going on here kind which
0: of is this. which is again and like we talked about and like somebody within dragon gate said to me it's an indictment on on dragon gate the company as much as it is sp and takuma but it wasn't a good right. look for sp and takuma
1: yep no i'm with you on that uh not to completely bury the Osaka show from the 24th, we did have, and one of the other storylines happening in Dragon Gate right now, we had the most recent match in the Big Boss Shimizu versus Reiwa 6 series this time. He finally got his hands on Yuki Yoshioka, and it was Shimizu putting him away with a really kind of inventive finishing stretch. I I, I kind of want to break this down, a little bit so as they were getting towards the stretch shimizu kept on trying to go for a power bomb on yoshioka yoshioka rolled through once the second time it was a shot put slam kind of attempt that he tried to roll through shimizu did not roll through on the rana picked him up power bombed him and then immediately shot put slam him for the win afterwards shimizu uh called out Kota Minora, and now he gets a chance to finish the Reiwa 6 series with a clean sweep against the one who has the most recent loss against him, Kota Minora versus Big Boss Shimizu in Kobe this next week.
0: This was my least favorite of the Shimizu versus Reiwa 6 matches, and I think had there been a stronger finish to this, I would have enjoyed it more, but the finish, like you said, fell apart. With the sort of shot put slam that I I think um I think Yoshioka was trying to hurricane Rana out of that shot put slam. It didn't work. He took a really stiff power bomb and then a shot put slam for the finish. And that was, you know, it took what was a good match. Had there been a great finishing stretch, I, I might have been able to muster up four stars on this, but it was not a great finishing stretch. That being said, I think they're doing a great job with this Shimizu story. You know, I think uh, you know, the consensus is I just wish there was more sh- stuff like this happening within the promotion. Shimizu is the big story right now, and you can look at Fuda and Ishin as being a secondary story, which, you know, ideally that would be a tertiary story. There's just not a lot in that second second place there. So I think they're doing a great job with the story. I just think this was the weakest of the matches thus far.
1: Yeah, this match, I thought this match was kind of fascinating in that... This one did not feel like the story was Shimizu, whereas the other four matches was like Shimizu overcoming it. It felt like it was a Yuki Oshioka brave or Dreamgate match that he had that he lost the match, in. it just felt like he kind of plugged them into the Shimizu formula. And that's fair, for, yeah. And I think if you're someone like I think I'm much higher on Yuki Oshioka. I was four flat on this, but that is still saying like the The finishing stretch fell apart, and it it did not really feel like Shimizu was like enduring and moving on. Like the like the Benkei match, it felt like oh, this is something where like Benkei tried to break him down, and he really persevered. I would say I don't I didn't really get a sense of perseverance in that this series is trying to do with Shimizu with this last one of Yoshioka, and I think that that is a real actor of detriment on this match.
0: Where would you, uh, and I don't need an exact placement, but you know, as 2023 nears an end, which is gross to say, and we talk about most outstanding wrestlers, best wrestlers in the world, is Shimizu a tier one wrestler with, say, you know, an Osprey and Omega? Is he a tier two wrestler, a tier three wrestler? When you think about Shimizu's 2023, where does he stack up with the rest of the world?
1: It's interesting because. I think there's an argument that he has a more traditionally complete uh resume this year than a lot of the tier one ones in saying that there are probably just as many good Shimizu tag matches with K Z throughout this year as his single work. And I don't know if there's another tier one wrestler by your definition that has those tag team matches. Like in the traditional yeah, that, that's center. a
0: good point. I mean shimizu and kz versus the mochizukis is a four and a half star match i thought it was excellent it's a top 10 dragon game match for me this year
1: yeah so it's something where an argument i think there is an argument for him to be a tier one wrestler but i think it is the thing that he is in that category with the idea that he has a more complete kind of resume whereas when you look at will Ospreay's year i think it's something where like we're entering October; three months left in the year, and I think it's almost by acclamation here. But you look at that resume; it's all the big profile matches that he stepped up and knocked it far out of the park on repeatedly. It's not the uh, it, it's not just showing like the uh, versatility of you as a wrestler. So it, it, it's an interesting kind of thing, but I I think I'd put Shimizu a uh, low uh tier one, high tier two, if that makes sense.
0: It does. You know, I look at my my match that you're tracking right now. My best Shimizu match of the year is him versus Minora in the King of Gate Finals, and then the aforementioned Shimizu and KZ versus the Mochizukis. I have both of those at four and a half stars, and both of those in my top 10. I also have Shimizu versus Skywalker and Shimizu versus Susumu Mochizuki, which I was very high on, as four and a half star matches as well. If he can stick the landing with the story and produce something... And this will be, you know, very granular with star ratings. But a four and a half star match that's closer to four and three quarters than four and one quarter. I think I can call him a top ten wrestler in the world this year. Uh, he needs he needs that one more thing to put him over the top.
1: Yeah, and it's something where you look at what his uh, uh, theoretical course ahead is. You have that match with uh, you have that match of and Kobe. I think that it's something where. With the kind of year Menorah is having, I think you can make that argument that maybe he is the one that can get him over the edge there. But we're, we're, we're rapidly coming to the point now where, and, and I guess we have to kind of come to terms with this case. I'm just going to ask you here now, and I'll ask you next week as things get a little bit closer with that uh, case. Uh, Kakuta versus Shimizu. Is it happening at uh, Gate of Origin?
0: Oh, I hope not. I just, that feels like such a waste for that building. I'm still of the belief, and now that Tn's hurt, I'm especially of the belief. I just think you have to do that match in Osaka. It's Shimizu's hometown. It's staring you right, it's it's Shimizu's hometown. It's staring you right in the face. And also, you've dedicated now six months to the story to blow it off in Sendai, a match that doesn't need a Dreamgate match. It'd be nice if it had one, but it doesn't need one. To then come around and have to come up with an entirely new Dreamgate build three weeks later for a more important show in a bigger building, to me, that would be acid. Okay, I, 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 think,
1: you're, I, I think you're totally fair on that. I think it's something where it is with, with how the windows kind of changed and schedule-wise. The, the windows kind of shut, I think, for Origin, Corkin's way out of the question, and I think Now, we're entering a point case where, come after Kobe, how are you kind of getting yourself to the finish line there with the idea that you still have to build up this match? Like, luckily, it's coming at the beginning of November, but you still have a full month then, after all the
0: Yeah, I mean, what? Okay, so if they do Shimizu versus Kakuta at Gate of Origin, which is on October 9th, Gate of Destiny is on November 5th. You have basically exactly one month to get to that point. What what are you what are you doing? What are you doing? Yamato, you know, Dragon Kid, you're doing Shun Match 2, you're doing Kai. I mean, all of these things, they might all be good, but they would feel forced to one degree or another. You've been doing this story for six months, and it's good. It's not like Ata versus Dragon Kid which they did for a year, and it might have been really important to the career of Ata, but I just don't like their matches together. This is one of those deals you've been building to, it feels hot, it's interesting if they do Shimizu versus Kakuta. I genuinely don't know who would win. I would think Kakuta, but hey, Shimizu winning would be really interesting. If I had the pencil, I would have Shimizu win because I think there's more you can do with him to get the belt on Shun to then get the belt onto Diamante. I've been through this 100 times now to do it in Sendai. I, I just oh my God, I'll be so annoyed if that happens because then because well, because here's the problem. Kakuta's Dreamgate run. People are off Kakuta and I think they're a little too extreme in it in the same way that people are off Yoshioka because he had a bad end one Who gives a shit? That's um, Noah. I wouldn't try a Noah either, but Kakuta's Dreamgate problem has been he had the Yoshioka match where there weren't clear, established dynamics. It was like a weird babyface versus babyface match, and then you had the Minora match, which was the same deal. The problem is that if you do the Shimizu match, which already, again, sort of has pre-existing dynamic issues, although I would pray to God that Kakuta works heel and not Shimizu in that match, then you're you're just forcing something. And whether it's, again, whether it's KZ or Kai or Ben or Mochi or whoever, it's just like, all right, now we have to wrap our head around this story for a month and then it'll happen and it'll be three and three quarter stars and it'll go away and we'll move on to final game. And I don't want that. I, I just, that, that's not what Kakuta needs. That's not what Shimizu deserves. It's not what the company needs right now. Let's do, do it in Osaka and let's be adults about this.
1: Yeah, and it, it's something where looking at the schedule and looking at where you are stopping and how you're stopping, it would just be like, it, it, essentially, Kakuta would have to lose, at, at, it would have to drop a fall when that's not how they've been portraying him as a champion. And he would probably have to drop a fall in Kobe Art Center. Like, it's just not, it, it doesn't make sense. It was just more of an exercise to see where we are on this, and especially the fact that they are revisiting menorah. I think that, in a way, like, okay, we have Corkin and then Bo- booyadin coming up, and it's like, all right, then, after Gate of Origin, I don't think we're going to see too much more put on this show for Gate of Origin. I think you're probably going to get a Triangle Gate match out of whoever wins that uh, Triangle Gate tournament, probably, to fill that out there then you're already basically at a gate of destiny at that point. You don't have to do much of that thing. Just have naturalize versus decourage four times. Yeah, uh, I'm with there. The other major thing happening on this Osaka show case, I have to take an L here. I was saying, I don't know what you're reading into this Fuda thing. It feels more like that. He's just getting more time in the ring. It just feels like that. It's just his time here. It's not real elevation. They've already kind of moved on from him here. Ishin versus Riafuda happening at Osaka number two. A quick match, two-minute low blow and roll-up because it's not that Ishin didn't want to face Riafuda or was afraid of Riafuda. Instead, he wants to make Riafuda's life a living hell. He wants to embarrass him in front of his hometown. He wants to make his homecoming in a title match be the worst day of his life. And he wants it to happen at Gate of Origin, and we have our first match signed for the Sendai Big Event: Ishin versus Ria Fuda for Open the Brave Gate Championship. Case, you were right.
0: I was. Um, an interesting thing to note here, and I, I was tipped off to this earlier this week by somebody. I, I did not know this previously. Fuda and Ishin are super tight; they're they're really good friends. So I would expect Ishin to try to make the most of this Brave Gate match to really, you know, for lack of a better term, try to help the homie out. And I think Fuda is on the cusp of at least mattering. Whereas for two years now, he hasn't really mattered. I I am begging for them to commit to doing something with him because I don't think he'll, you know, he shouldn't beat Ishan. I don't think he's going to beat Ishan. But get him in a unit or give him a character or turn him heel or do something we're, we're at, It's like edging with Rio Fuda right now. And it's killing me as a viewer that wants to be invested in him. I want to really care about Fuda. I really like this guy. Give me the thing to latch on to. Now is the time to do that. It's cool that he teams with Yamato. It seems like Yamato's taking taken a liking to him. I know they travel together. Uh, at least they, they did. They drove the ring truck together a few, few weeks ago, I think. But um, it, give me something.
1: Yeah, and this is a time where this is almost like perfectly set for him to be like we talked about Takahiro Yamamura earlier, not for him to take that breakout step. That's not going to come from a match in Sendai. I know it's his hometown. It's probably going to be the most important match of his career to this point in his mind, but that's not this is not the place where he breaks out there. But this is the place where Ryo Fuda could become someone. He's not going to instantly become a the, the, the focal point of a unit. He's not going to walk out of his hometown as Bravegate champion, but Ace, this game pulled off and it's something that later on in the show in the Triangle Gate tournament, Fuda is involved in getting the double countout to happen in the M3K versus Zbrats match where Ishan was trying to stop Junior from his, from breaking the count and instead Fuda literally knocks Ishan ass over tea kettle and just viciously brawls with the guy, causing the double count out here. This is something where he can become someone. This is something where when we talk about like Snake Snakebit and Dragon Gate, when we talk about guys getting injured and people like having the two step four or the one step four, two steps back. There is no clearer or better step that this guy's going to have because what happens if it doesn't happen in your case? That's it. Like, this is it for him. And it's something where what, what we saw coming out of Osaka, I think that it, at the very least, he's going to give a go of it. And everything that we've seen with him and Ishan, even in that, like, little two-minute patch and then the post-match of that trios match shows me that Ishan's going to be doing the same, too.
0: Yeah, I don't know how you don't root for the guy. He has been through hell for two years now, and he very clearly has talent, you know. he This is... This is a chance for me to really, you know, almost have an emotional connection with a wrestler here because I, I, I empathize with all the troubles he's had getting going, especially when his peers have passed him by through certain circumstances. All of a sudden, it's like a running back who just found a hole up the middle of the field. Like, Fuda has a chance to, to really gain something here. I would like to see him do it.
1: Yeah, and it's something as we look to the show coming up in Kobe Sambo Hall this Saturday, the 30th, when we look at the card for it case, he is right in the thick of it. They have him teaming up with uh Don Fuji, Naruki Doi, and Suji Kondo. So it's the established veterans, you know, the unaffiliated veterans. But if you were we were going to do a list of what's the kind of the rankings of the un- the unaligned veterans, I think these are the top three ones. And he's teaming with them against the full complement of Z brats. Like this is something where we are starting to get to see like this, I think like looking at How long we have until gate of origin instantly becomes like, all right, for the next two weeks, Fuda, you're going to be put into matches that matter. And this is going to be the opportunity for him to have the opportunity and take those steps forward. It's not just going to be about that gate of origin match. It's the opportunity that I mean, case, when have you seen Ria Fuda above the second match on a show, let alone being the pre intermission match on a Kobe Sembo Hall hometown show? No, it doesn't happen. And he's right in the thrust of it here. And it's something where out of this match, he will be the highlighted featured portion, the Ishan thing. He's going to be the, the focal point there. And that's something that we cannot say before the show in Osaka.
0: No, absolutely. So, you know, wh- what did you think just to sort of transition here? We'll we'll continue talking about FUDA. while we'll also talked about the Triangle Gate Championship stuff. We had uh, the M3K versus Ebrats match I want to talk about the match in just a second, but what did you think about the finish, the double countout, Fuda getting involved, Ishin getting involved, that whole mess?
1: This was something where being spoiled actually kind of played off because I was like, oh man, this kind of sucks going double count out here. But instead it was like the most logical one possible for that to happen. And I felt like it was a really kind of strong moment with it. Uh, the tournament itself, I'm wondering like, in, unless they're completely just throwing the tournament out and go like, let's just put it back on as close as we can to the old gold class. I'm wondering if they're going to have to interject a third team here because it seemed like they were very fixated on this being a trios tournament and the threes here and it was going to be a three-way match. And they kind of booked themselves out of it in a way.
0: Yeah, that's the bummer. So the match was gr- uh, the match was very good. The finish... With Ishin thwarting Jr. from getting back in the ring only for Fuda to attack Ishin, was very well done, very well executed, very clever. The problem is that this was the wrong time to be clever. I just needed a clean finish and a team moving on to the finals here. I don't think we're going to get a third team interjected. I think we're getting just a straight trios match, which is a bummer because they advertised a three-way trios match. This was all good and at the same time, good for the wrong reason.
1: Yeah, just like from show uh, construction-wise, going into this match, you had the opener, Tien gets injured, Yamato and Ryu versus Dragon Kid and Takashi Yoshida, literally they are doing the exact same thing. Like the guys who were in high end are having matches with each other when high end ended eight months ago. So not much there. Didn't even really bother to take notes on it. Kind of zoned out, to be quite honest. <laughs> like, well, what am I, what are we supposed to do with that case? No, nothing. No, yeah. And then Ishan versus Fuda, two and a half minutes. But then intermission, you came back, you had a, the, the full goal, uh, goal class versus natural vibes trios match. Good match, solid match. But that was all that was on the card going up to this point. Up until the main event, you only really had one match of consequence have any sort of finish.
0: Yeah, you can't have that. If this, was a, this was a good show that could have been a great show uh, if the vibes were a little bit different.
1: Yeah, if, the, uh, if we get the finish we expect, and Tn's not injured in the opener, completely different opinion on this show. But at this point, not the, the as you said, cute finish, wrong finish here. I, I'm with you on that. Because the, it the just thing, completely just takes you out of the show. Like, I did not have a, a match where I felt comfortable giving a, a star. I only had two matches I gave star ratings to on the showcase because of just everything around it. Like, you just it was hard to rate the show because of well, how they responded to the injury.
0: It, yes. Now, uh, two points here. One, I do have to uh, maybe not take a victory lap, but I'll at least take a joyride here. The chemistry between Jr. and Skywalker is marvelous, and I need to see more of it. I need to see that explored. Jr. continues to just be absolutely fantastic, and Shun continues to be the single most important wrestler in this promotion. Just having him back for all the bad that happened on this show, Shun being back made me feel a lot better.
1: Yeah, no, it was something where, especially in like an M3K versus Ebrats match where even if you walked into this match unspoiled, you knew that there was going to be just a lot of brawling and crowd uh, work just because it's an M3K ma- match and a heel unit. You kind of needed to have the, uh, the, the straw that starts to drink in it. You needed to have Shun back with this. And after the month of not having him, yeah, it, it was desperately needed.
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm stoked he's back. I do want to back up real quick. Can, can I talk about the opening match and something unrelated to TN's injury?
1: Oh yeah, go right ahead
0: best Ryoya Tanaka performance we've had so far a real credit to Tanaka this match falls apart obviously they they do not have their intended goal here it's you know Fuji Kagatora and TN versus Daya Kakuta and Tanaka TN goes down and it's almost like Tanaka sucked the lifeblood out of him when he got hurt and all of a sudden he became just a complete madman and he was getting his ass kicked by Fuji he was going at it with Kagatora He completely saved this match and ended up, again, other than Shun and maybe other than Shimizu, he was the highlight on this show.
1: Yeah, no, him and Fuji. Like, I'm ready. We did not really have Fuji versus uh, Junior because Junior's injury. But I think you can go a bit with him and Tanaka. I think Fuji and Tanaka has some wheels to it. And it was, like, one of the big highlights on this show was this match could have completely just fallen apart but Tanaka really showed some presence there and you know it, it it is something where I kind of feel like Tanaka even though he's only like four months into his career he kind of in a way has been overshadowed by first TN and then Mochizuki Jr. coming back like his position has been a, a little bit like oh he's debuted and he's going to matter he's on the Kobe world card, and not a whole lot. This was really a nice thing to see him getting this kind of opportunity and taking.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, everybody that's been around Tanaka, super bullish on him. I mean, they, they think that he is a, a star in the making. And like I've said before, I won't belabor the point. He hasn't had the show me showcase, you know, the DG Rookie Spectacular. He just gets better every match. And it's, it's, very, it's very pleasant to watch.
1: Yeah, and if you're gonna offer me a Don Fuji gut check match with someone, or at least put the thought of that in my mind, I'm interested I'm I'm just ultimately much more interested in what you're offering me. So that was a really needed highlight on the show. Absolutely. Very for much sure. so. And then uh talking about the rest of the, the Triangle Gate tournament, we had those two matches setting up that we have gold class moving on to Cork. And the second one is the rookie tag versus Decourage uh match, uh being the semi-main event of the Kobe show this weekend. Uh with everything case, do you think they might go crazy and have the rookies win this? Like just g- give us something, I guess.
0: <laughs> no, I don't I don't think they're gonna do anything crazy. I I really look more so in the vein of Dragon Gate wanting to stay the course here, not do anything too wild and just get through these shows. Now, would it be super interesting if the rookies won? Yes, but I I don't see a scenario where even Kato is, say, pinning Daya. Do I think it'd be great? Absolutely. Do I see it happening? No, I do not.
1: That's fair. I just, I'm wondering with that Korkin show, especially now, you are hoping for a three-way triangle gate match main eventing that. I'm wondering if it's something where it's like trying to find something else to kind of Provide a little bit more life to that uh, show. Elsewhere on this Kobe show, we've talked about uh, Kota Minora versus Big Boss Shimizu. That's main eventing. We have the Triangle Gate first round match, D Courage versus Rookie Selection. The eight-man tag, Ria Fuda, Don Fuji, Naruki, Doi, Shuji Kondo versus Z Bratz. Benkei teaming with Ata versus Ginki Horiguchi and Kagatora, Royal Sambo, KZ, Strong Machine J, UT, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, Mochizuki Jr., Komamawa Ichikawa, Sachioko Boy, Problem Dragon and Takashi Yoshida, and the opener, Yamato, Dragon Kid and Punch Tomanaga versus Jackie Funky Kamei, Jason Lee, Ho Ho Loon, Kung Fu Masters. Woohoo. Yeah, yeah, it's I I I'm happy about matches four through six. Four through six yes. where stuff's happening. I'm into a little perversely interested in what how much work we get out of Ben and Ata in that match three.
0: The uh, problem it's Ben, Ata and Genki and Kakatora. Those are those are four guys that aren't known to give it their all 24/7 365 That 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 could be a a rare no bump match and they ended in count out.
1: Hey, uh, we'll we'll see if who's going to get the Jeff Jarrett Working Award. There, I think Ben can just go around and just talk to the crowd for five minutes, and everyone's going to be happy. To yeah, be there you go. But that that's the card we have coming up this week. In Case there was one uh interesting piece of news that kind of broke today. A former, not a full time Dragon Gate roster member, but someone who spent a lot of his formative. Uh, time as a rookie in dragon gate Kazuki nakajima has announced his departure from pro wrestling noah and he's had an interesting kind of career before he ended up full-time in noah especially with uh with K- kensuke office uh diamond ring and dragon gate so a- interesting departure to hear i would say
0: yeah thank god i mean you know uh, one of those talented guys i've ever seen and you know, it's it's the it's the meme where you've got the Noah guys that can draw but can't politic. You've got the Noah guys that that uh, can draw and politic, and then there's Nakajima who can't draw and he can't politic. He's been in Noah fifteen years now, and he's had a lot of highs, and unfortunately he's had a lot of lows. And I want to talk about Nakajima first, just so Mike can put him in the episode description and the episode title, and we won't feel guilty about it. But yes, two, he does have a uh, he does have a history in Dragon Gate. Uh, For those that don't know, he was uh, an assistant to Final M2K, so Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, Kenichiro Arai, and Kness. Katsuhiko Nakajima was in the promotion. This was 2005, where he spent basically the entire year showing up on on primarily Korokan shows, and then he'd work like a Nagoya here and there, he'd work a Hakata Star Lanes here and there. He was more or less working like what naruki doi currently works uh in terms of scheduling and then he would show up a few more times throughout the years and we'll talk about that in just a second but i for one really really love the work that he was doing in dragon gate
1: yeah it's something where there was especially at this time 2005 uh time period dragon gate getting itself kind of cemented post ultimo and the the different uh relationships they would have especially with like kensuke office Really, I think in a lot of ways, uh, has been a blessing and a curse. I think more people in who consume wrestling content know of Dragon Gate because of Florida Brothers and Kensuke Sasaki as a part of it, and that's because of uh, Kensuke Office getting involved with Dragon Gate very early on. But like the downside of like that kind of over, k- kind of overwhelming it is Nakajima, especially at that time in of of his career. We're talking about two thousand and four, two thousand and five guys 17 and 18 or 16 and 17 this was where where i felt like he kind of was getting a little bit more of his sea legs from where he was really like in 2002 as a teenager you know like it felt like at that time starting in 2005 and some of that is his work also a little bit concurrently also in osaka pro but it felt like that nakajima especially in final m2k was a really good fit
0: yeah, he fit the style of the promotion. Now, granted, again, he's he's a, a teenager during this time. He he worked a a much faster pace than he does now. But if you can find some of the stuff out there in 2005, is you know not on the Dragon Gate network, but it's relatively accessible if you look elsewhere. There's the Triangle Gate match from April 8th, 2005: Dragon Kid Genki Horiguchi and Rio Saito versus Kness Sosumu and Nakajima. I think that match is worth your time. There is a Nakajima versus Tozawa singles match during the Tozawa 10-match trial series. That is worth your time. And then, of course, and I think this one's the most famous of the uh, the Dragon Gate matches he had, Nakajima versus Shingo, November 2nd, 2005. Those are all Corgan Hall shows, and all of those matches are worth your time.
1: Yeah, it was something where they really kind of showcased him in a way that he got kind of like the spotlight, like, cork and hall singles matches and some of that like one that i would point out and one that i know that's been around on the internet at that it, and because i've seen it on reddit and elsewhere is him versus misaki mochizuki from 2004 a gate of sanctuary show. yes yeah that's another good one but it, it, it's interesting with nakajima it's something where i don't think there's any expectation other than sponge guy money to expect him to ever kind of show up here but it i know last week we kind of talked about. What would be the things to provide life to Dragon Gate? Things that we think that they could have learned from the Anniversario show from CMLL. You're looking for an Invader leader. Nakajima is that. But like big, bright letters, put it on the marquee. Nakajima Invader run would be so... Uh, I would be so thankful for that, if that would happen. Because yeah, I, I, would...
0: I I still... I think he could work the style still. I mean, the last time we saw oh, him yeah, with Dragon no Gate... Oh yeah, no He did some Boyden shows in 2011, but the last time we saw him in Dragon Gate proper... He was doing the Summer Adventure Tag League, and it was him and Mochi teaming with one another. And if you think about young boy Nakajima in 2005, this is now, uh, he still gets his ass kicked, but he's a grown man, Nakajima. Like, this is 2009. He's coming off of the Kenta series here. He's hes a world-class wrestler. And so you get, you know, Nakajima and Mochi versus Hulk and Yoshino. You get the finals, which was Nakajima and Mochi versus Shingo and Yamato it's a very very fun tournament uh, where they did two Shingo and Yamato matches a time limit draw and block play and then Shingo and Yamato versus Nakajima and Mochi the rematch in the finals he was great there too now even that was 14 years ago his style has still changed and evolved ever since then but whether it's sponge guy money whether it's Nakajima just having a total crisis and wanting to work somewhere else uh whatever it may be I would be more than open to any sort of scenario that leads to Nakajima wrestling in Dragon again, even if I don't think it's a likely scenario.
1: Yeah, hey, Biden's back, and I, you, I thought you said I, I thought you said Biden like Joe Biden. I I, I mean Joe Brainard's never left, but <laughs> but Biden, it's back, and, and we could see really how uh in step we are with uh, President Nagamori if somehow we get to see. I junior versus Nakajima put it in Shinjuku face. That is the match right there. I completely agree. That's the match. Like I think that would do for junior. That is probably would be that step match. You have the generational stuff having there. No one's expecting junior to get a win in this kind of position, but just to see the fight of him. Hell, if you could do this as like a buy it in special cork and hall match, do that. I think that that would be one of the biggest things that they could do if uh, to provide something coming into the end of 2023. 20- I would love that.
0: What do you think his next move will be?
1: Yeah, uh, it's. Uh, y- you kind of have to look in one direction, right? Or if you want to put any credence to his Yahoo interview that he's going to try to m- make a go of it internationally, right?
0: Oh, is that what he said?
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the... This is a a machine translation. He says, I think next year is a... Next year being his anniversary is a turning point because he's crazy young. His 20th anniversary is coming up. Uh, Where will I go? Uh, It it is said that Nakajima, and again, this is like machine translated, has been interested in overseas markets and has even been asked to compete on American matches, mats such as WWE and AEW, Again, this is uh, Yahoo Sports Japan, so who knows how much of that's actually worked, and just kind of like an interesting thing that I wonder if it's something that him and the... the I, I just don't see very many places that would be able to just outright go like, oh, Nakajima all the way, unless maybe all Japan backs up the trucks to him and say like, alright, we're going. You and Kento, we are doing this locked in. We're doing this for a couple of years, and We're getting what we can out of it because it's either, it's either Road or uh, North America. It feels like.
0: Yeah. I don't, I don't see a North North American landing spot for him. I mean, yeah. You know, I, I look, I think AEW will probably bring him in and I think it'll be awesome, but I don't, you know, I don't see that being like a Takesha situation.
1: Yeah, no. And I just, it's something where like Takesha, it works out in a lot of ways for a lot of different reasons. I just like you're kind of like like the role you see him in is almost like the Kota Ibushi role ends. Why would you kind of replace Kota Ibushi of Katsuika Nakajima given Abushi's relationship to Kenny Omega and that audience, right? Like it's it, it it I wonder if something else is happening. That that and that's not an informed view, it's just me look taking stakes of the landscape right now and the finances aren't great, and that means there's something else going on. Is there another company that might be launching? I don't know, but if you are that kind of person leaving at this time at a in a wrestling ecosystem that's not doing super great, it's doing better than it was a few months ago, but it's still not like fully like it's not even close to rebounding. I don't know where like he fits in.
0: No, I look. I mean, I I'm of the belief. I, I I, would put the front runner as maybe New Japan, but very close behind, I would say there's just a new thing happening. I think so many guys have left home this year. It speaks to the thing that I think we've covered better than anybody else, which is just how bad the wrestling economy is in Japan. And these guys are making less money than they ever have. And, you know, at some point, even in Japan, loyalty stops somewhere and loyalty becomes loyal to a paycheck. And I just think for Nakajima, he looked around, he realized it wasn't getting any better. Noah doesn't run any shows. I don't know how any of those guys make money. And that's the, that's not even a dig on Noah. That's just, they don't run any shows. I don't know how they make money. And I think he's looking elsewhere. Uh, You know, uh, new Japan, I think would be the favorite. I I wish Ladette just would have bought all japan instead of doing Glee yeah. because they clearly just mm-hmm. they want to be all japan like i don't I, it doesn't make any sense to me yeah,
1: yeah and instead I, I, what I, I, we have baffling. and, and i came to a realization case what we have is probably what nxt japan kind of would have looked like in uh, glee a whole lot and a whole lot of parts that you've shoved together that have no coherency whatsoever but you're kind of put it all together as you have this you have this you have that but in reality you just have a bunch of parts yeah because that's what I, I,
0: yeah i mean look the the cork and hall show it's sb and takuma uh their debut it's t-hawk versus ishikawa and it's flamito versus Ashida. and at some point it's just like guys what are, what are we doing here like this is yeah
1: almost and, embarrassing
0: and, and, but i don't know i mean nakajima's an option there just because they have money
1: yeah and it's something that y- y- you brought up like the loyalty thing nakajima is the rare person that since he came up through a Kensuke office there is no ingrained like oh came up through a dojo system he came up completely different from everyone else so yeah that's a good but, point yeah he's, not, he's but, not
0: loyal to the world japan dojo
1: right yeah i mean he's he's left noah several times at this point like and i expect he's going to do it a couple more times before he retires yeah,
0: disappointing. You know, uh, another one of those guys, you know, I think the theme of this episode is bad luck and Nakajima. Yeah, yeah. he's been gifted a lot of great opportunities, but I also feel like if you run his career a hundred times, this is not the worst version of it, but it's certainly in the bottom percentile of of what we could have gotten out of his career.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I guess now, since I'm thinking about this case, I don't want us to, like, stay on too much longer. The idea of the mystery team here i think like the the more i'm thinking about the more the mystery team i think is the predominant thing
0: well, okay so walk me through this again because i don't totally follow
1: so nakajima is leaving pro wrestling noah yeah conglomerate controlled pretty like the question about how much they run yeah but it is still seen as like a major like i i don't think that's up for debate no dragon gate will not have i i don't know dragon gates books but i feel like i can make a pretty good guess dragon gate will not have the money to bring him in full time
0: no no they're 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 not crushing it i you can talk to anybody that works for dragon gate they're not they're not talking about the boats they've bought recently
1: right yeah yeah but but even before that it's just one of those things that if you look and you think about how people have left over the last 18 months and and some of the things about it it is something that given his age i don't think that that is the step forward from as much as i really want nakajima Invader. it's just not realistic and then you draw it further back new japan new it, it's something where is new japan really going to want to bring in nakajima when they already have this effort getting their three musketeers ready for the next generation do they think that he's someone you kind of plug into that kind of position to get yourself ready for that. I don't think
0: that's what I can't figure out is right. Other than just having Nakajima, why does new Japan want him? You know, it's like, it's like meaningless in the long run because he's not headlining like a wrestle kingdom. You know, he's right. I I would, I would want Katsumiko Nakajima on my roster, but if you're new Japan, other than again, just having him to say you have him, I don't know what you're getting out of that.
1: Yeah. So then, obviously, if he's leaving Noah, probably not walking to DDT. That's just not how it seems like that kind of relationship works within the Cyber Fight promotions. Then it's All Japan, Glate, or Mystery Team. All Japan, I think the best thing for that company would be somehow trying to get him and then trying to build the, the promotion over the next, however long you have Kento Miyahara there, as Kento Miyahara versus Kento Nakajima or, or not Kendo Nakajima, Kazuko Nakajima, and then the permeations of that, you can get four to five years out of that. I don't know if they're willing to do that. I don't know politics with that. And then you just arrive to, okay, who's going to pay for it? And it's Glate, who will pay? Or Mystery Team. I think that's yeah, the Mystery I, team. I,
0: I, I I like the idea of All Japan. I think him going to All Japan, even though it's a promotion that I've always said they're the last on my list to watch. I personally don't enjoy the company as much as everybody else does. All Japan's had a very good year at the box office, and I think mm-hmm. Nakajima going there would be very interesting.
1: I think that that is the that would be like the most interesting and arguably probably the thing that would do the if you're looking at the Jack and the the, the Japanese wrestling ecosystem case. If you want to look at what would probably be the biggest gross positive, it's probably not Mystery Team long term. It it is bolstering all Japan. I agree, but that it'll be interesting to see how these things kind of play off for Nakajima, and if and if somehow we can get our Mochizuki Junior versus Kazuhika Nakajima Boyden special version Mega main event. Maybe that happens one day. I'll see if I can talk to Mr. Nakamori and get that happening, guys. You, you get the ball rolling on that, Mike. I'll do that. But that's going to do it for this edition of Open the Voice Gate. Thanks for everyone for listening. We'll be back next week talking about this Kobe show. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. Cases at underscore in your case. I'm at Fujihea. Thanks for listening to Open Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next week. Take care.
2: All the best talk about New Japan Pro Wrestling, crisps, and pornography. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by.